We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, Ivy Nation? It is <laughs> one o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm on a show, so I'm fired up just with that alone. But uh, I'm Vince D'Addario, and those of you that are always here in the afternoon may not may not recognize me uh, these days. So uh, I'm back doing some afternoon shows. School's almost over, yeah. uh, and so I'll be able to jump back in with both feet. That guy over there, that's Brian Driscoll. He's the boss, man. He's in charge of everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> But not no. sure the relevancy to the show, but hey, hey it's all roll. good. But no, today uh, is Tuesday, and what we are going to start doing starting today is going through each position, and we're going to break down each position. Mm-hmm. And I know all of you are going to be shocked. The, the OGs out there are going to be shocked by the fact that Brian and I have selected quarterback <laughs> <laughs> to lead things off. I know. No way. I know you're all shocked by that. Uh, but no, we're going to talk quarterbacks today. We're going to break down uh, what the quarterback position looks like on the roster, the depth chart, all that fun stuff. Well, Vince, it would be it would make sense for us to do this if we weren't both like offensive minded guys. I mean, we always do offense sure. first, right? I mean, that's just there's got to be some order, and that's just the way that we do it. But it also adds to the fact that I mean, this is a big storyline for Notre Dame in 2023. You know, the sure. quarterback position is is going to be a very important part of you know, whether or not this football team is or isn't good enough to go out there and compete for a championship this season. It is a position that we're going to, you know, dive into and discuss that has been a problem for Notre Dame for years. I mean, I wrote an article the other day talking about, you know, I'm, I'm so we're going to do these shows on Tuesdays. We're going to do these mm-hmm. breakdowns on Tuesdays. We're, we're really mixing things up this summer. We'll finally have our full new summer platform launched the next couple of weeks. Vince actually took took the day off today to do this show just you know just so, so <laughs> no, people understand that i'm personal day personal yeah, day i'm it's kidding all good. had yeah. some stuff to get done and then that freedom up to do the show today i'm just kind of giving people a hard time on that one but <laughs> it the tuesday show so vince is going to start next week once summer's over he's going to be on you know a couple days a week uh with us friday mailbag will always be vince starting next week so that's going to be fun but the Tuesday show is going to be our sort of our season preview, our position previews as we dive in. So it's going to kind of take us right up to 
the start of fall camp. The Tuesday show is going to be that. Thursday show is going to be a little bit different. Wednesday show is going to be me doing sort of a solo show uh, that's going to be sort of that midweek rundown. So a lot of good stuff going on, Vince. But as you dive into the, the – the, now that the summer's here, the yeah. graduation happened for Notre Dame, hmm. You know, the players are reporting this weekend, it really starts to ramp up sort of, okay, the 2023 season is getting here in a hurry. And and so we're going to dive into each position group and what the expectations are and diving into the depth chart. And so it's going to be a little bit different from the article I wrote the other day, which is sort of a state of the program. This is more looking at the 23 season. But in that article, the, the, comp, the thing that I wrote about is there have been teams at Notre Dame that have been good enough to compete for a championship in a yep. lot of our other areas except quarterback. Yes. And that's why Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese went out and got Sam Hartman, and that's the expectation for Sam Hartman. We'll find out if that's going to happen or not. That's why you went out and recruited C.J. Carr, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not for down the road. That's for down the road. This 23 season is big. It's big for Notre Dame. It's big for Marcus Freeman. It's big for the direction of the program. It's big for a lot of reasons. And the quarterback position is going to be a very, very integral part of this season being a big success Mm -hmm. or Notre Dame just being more of the same good, but not good enough. And, you know, that's going to, that's why quarterback is where we're kicking things off with Vince. Well, and how many times, I mean, you and you and I have known each other for a really long time. And how many times have we looked at this roster and you said that with such disgust. (laughs) (laughs) You have known each other for a very long time. (laughs) Well, the disgust comes from the fact that we've had, you and I have had this exact conversation. It's like, man, they're quarterback away from being a special program, like a Mm -hmm. special team specifically for that, for whatever season that we're referring to. They've always been a quarterback away They've always, you know, we've talked about the elite quarterback recruiting and and the development. All of those different things have come into play. And you can you can blame the recruiting, you can blame the development, you can blame whatever it is you want to do because I I do think there have been some really good quarterbacks. I listened to you and Ryan on the Friday mailbag on Friday and you guys were talking about I know. You guys were talking about Brandon Wimbush and mm-hmm. how his high school film was like, "Man, this kid is going to be so good," you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then he got to Notre Dame and just never developed and completely changed to who he was, right? And I remember, and Ryan, I think Ryan said, you know, he was expecting Wimbush to be so good and all these different things. I remember telling somebody, Brandon Wimbush is going to be the next big quarterback at Notre Dame. Like, he is going to surprise a lot of people. He is going to be the guy that's going to take them wherever they need to go. Obviously, that didn't happen. I was a huge Wimbush fan coming out of high school. Not to belabor that point, but the point that I'm making is sometimes it's recruiting, sometimes it's development, but whatever the case may be, they just haven't had elite quarterback play at Notre Dame in a really long time, to be honest with you. And it's exciting. Like the quarterback position this year is exciting to me. And I'm hoping that it can come to fruition with where we think it's going to go. And that's obviously what we're going to talk about today. And it's a lot different than the way we were a year ago, Vince. Sure. I mean, there was ex- there was excitement a year ago, but it was sort of cautious optimism. Sure. You know, Tyler's very talented, but he's got to stay healthy. I mean, that was – how many times did we say that last summer? Right. You know, he's this, this, but he's got to stay healthy. And he couldn't. You know, he he couldn't he couldn't make it through the second game of the year and, and misses all, all season. You know, we, we say, hey, Drew Pine can can win you a bunch of games, but he's not going to beat the best teams on your schedule. And that 
proved to be. I mean, to be it was true some ups and downs, part. but right. that was true. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, you didn't beat Clemson because of Drew Pine. You know, you you, you didn't you you know. <laughs> no. So you you get into it and you say, well, now you've got to get to the point where your quarterback position is able to thrive in in the big moments, the big games right. where when your team is struggling like you are against a Marshall, where you were against a Stanford, where the quarterback can get you out of that funk. Say whatever you want about Ian Book, but like the Stanford game last year looked a lot like the Pitt game in 2018. Now, Pitt was a better team that year, but Notre Dame 2018 was also a lot better than Notre Dame 2022. But you remember how bad Ian Book was for three quarters? I mean, he was bad. He was terrible that game. Missing open reads, missing throws, not getting the ball where needed to go to. The offense couldn't do anything. But when the game was on the line, Notre Dame is down 14. You know, 14 was a 14-12, I think, 14-13 or something like that going into the, in the fourth quarter. Ian Book goes out and leads them on a big-time drive, lets them go out, you know, throws the big touchdown pass late in the fourth quarter to Miles Boykin and leads them to a victory. I think of the 2019 season when he was awful against Virginia Tech. That's awful. what I was going to bring Two up. Two red zone touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, interceptions, I mean, and just awful. But when the game was on the line, he was able to lead you down the field and, and get you to a win. And last year, they didn't really have that. Mm-hmm. So they need a guy that can do that. But then they also need a guy that can do what Ian Book couldn't do, which is when you're playing the best teams in the country, can you put the team on your shoulders and say, we got this. Mm-hmm. We don't know that Sam Hartman's going to be able to do that, but that's the talent is there. The expectation is there. And that's why there's excitement about this quarterback position of if Sam Hartman can stay healthy, you feel like you're going into a season where with the exception of one game, you're going to have the best quarterback on the field. If you get in the college football playoff against Georgia, against Alabama, against an Ohio State, against Oklahoma, against a lot of teams, there's a good chance you're going to have the best quarterback on the field. That, it's well, been a long time since I was going to say that. When was the last time we were able to say that? It's been a long time, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say 2009, but that team wasn't very good. That wasn't right. a very good team. And and so that's where the excitement comes from is, right. is that. Now, is it going to play out that way? That's what we're going to find out. Yeah. But the expectation is certainly there. But then also, is the depth chart good enough to get you through a 12-game season? That's also part of this conversation, Vince, mm-hmm. that we're going to dive into as well. And that's just what makes this a very interesting season. You know, 15, Malik Zayer goes down. You had Deshaun Kaiser to turn to. Right. I don't know that there's a Deshaun Kaiser on this year's roster. Mm-hmm. And that's, At least not uh, yet. I mean, I, right. right, not yet. And I, and I think that's, you know, quarterback for this team specifically, I think there's a lot, there's obviously a lot of youth, a lot of inexperience on this offensive side of the ball, right? And, you know, whether you're talking about the guards on the offensive line, whether you're talking about the depth of the wide receiver position, the tight end position, you know, who's going to bring them along, right? Who is going to, you know, that's why quarterback is is so important in this particular year of offense at Notre Dame. And then you throw into the fact that you also have a new offensive coordinator and you have a new quarterback coach, right? And so all of those things combined this year is it's, it's almost crucial for the success of this team to have stability at the quarterback position. And we think going into the season that that's what we have at Notre Dame. We, we think that's what we have. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Vacation starts with VA. Whether you're feeling beachy, mountainy, or every E in between, you'll find all that you love all in one trip to Virginia. Start yours at virginia.org. There's two aspects of this, Vince, and this is what makes it an interesting conversation. Aspect number one is the presence of Sam Hartman. Aspect number two is I'm very intrigued to see what kind of impact you're going to have from having a quarterbacks only coach on the roster. Mm-hmm. I'm not someone who believes that you have to have a quarterbacks coach only. I'm someone right. who believes you can have a good quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator as the same person. If it's the right person, As a matter of fact, it's what I would have always preferred because I was a quarterbacks coach. You know, if, when, when I, when I was pass game coordinator, I was a receivers coach, but when I, you know, as a quarterbacks, as a quarterbacks coach, something when I, if I would have stayed in coaching, and kept moving up the, up the ranks, that's ultimately what I would have done. That's where I would have been. And I think you can do it. I mean, Lincoln Riley does it. Sure. Steve Spurrier did it for a long time as the head coach. Lincoln Riley does it as the head coach. He did it as the OC. But I also think there are certain there's some value to where you have a guy that specifically can be that guy. And and if if Sam Hartman was in year six of being at Notre Dame, I'd say I'm fine with the QB coach and the coordinator being the same guy. But with him being in year one, there's still new stuff for him to learn. And then having those younger players, there are certain things that you're going to work on teaching Sam Hartman that he needs to learn adjusting to the offense. But because he's a six-year senior, there's also a lot of things that you're going to spend your time focusing on the two younger guys. And having Gino Gadouli as the quarterback's coach where, okay, we once Sam kind of gets going, it's like, okay – you know, you coach them up and do all that, but a sure. lot of your time needs to be on making sure that you're getting these other two young guys ready. I think that's something that's going to be huge for this year, Vince, as we dive into the depth chart here in, in, in a few minutes, because if you have an OC slash quarterbacks coach, he has to really be involved once the season starts in the game planning, all the different aspects of being the OC. And a lot of times you're going to have like the GA working with the quarterbacks, the younger quarterbacks. That's what was the dynamic in their name in recent years, which is, I mean, it's not a criticism. It's just the reality. That's is what it is. Yeah. That's the way that it is. Well, now you're going to have a full-time quarterbacks coach. Who's also been a coordinator focusing on the two young quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. We're going to see what kind of benefit that has, but I think this is the perfect year to have that dynamic. Whereas in, in most of the time it's, I'm like, I'm good either way. It's like, is the guy good enough to do it? This is one of those unique years where I think it's going to be beneficial 
that Notre Dame has someone that's whose sole whose primary responsibility is developing the quarterbacks because of the uniqueness of the depth chart, which we're which we're I imagine we're going to dive into here next as part yes. of this conversation. No, absolutely, and I agree with you. This particular like this year in a tunnel, like in a you know in a in a box vacuum. It's in yeah, thank you. It is incredibly important to have somebody that can work with these younger guys. Because when you're when you're coaching a guy who's been around the block, it's new. Like you said, it's nuances. It's little things. It's hey, when you see this, or, you know, when you're looking at this, what do you see? Hey, maybe you should look at this. And then boom, they got it. He's got a ton of experience under his belt. It's almost like you have a shorthand in what you're saying with a guy like that when you're a coach. And even though these guys haven't been together, even though Coach Caduli has not been with Sam Hartman in the past, they're still going to have a shorthand when they're speaking to one another because they've just been doing it for so long. That's not going to be the case with the rest of the roster. And now that you lost, you know, Tyler to, to Alabama, to the transfer portal, it's even more critical that the time is spent with the guys that are left on the depth chart to get them ready in case something does happen, because you always have to prepare that you're one snap away. I know that's cliche, but it's a, it's a fact. And Right now, those guys aren't ready to take over this team. They're they're not ready. And the more one-on-one time that Coach Gadouli can spend with these guys, the better off they're going to be, and the better off this team as a whole is going to be. So you're right. This year in a vacuum, I think it's incredibly important that the quarterback's coach is just a quarterback's coach. Focus on those young guys and tweak Sam Hartman as he goes along. That's going to be the important part. When you look at the depth chart of this football team at quarterback, Vince, it, it really comes down to a couple different ways of looking at it. Number one is just from a pure number standpoint. I think four is always my ideal number at sure. quarterback. The exceptions being if my number two is a guy that has some experience in the system, you know, three, four years in the system, a guy that, that you know, hey, look, we know we can go to this guy. If Drew Pine would have returned, let's just say Drew Pine would have returned for 2023. And Steve Angeli transferred. I'm just, I'm, I didn't want, I'm just for argument's right. sake. I'd feel a lot better about a three-man depth chart because, hey, we know who Drew is. We know that Drew can go in there and get you out of a game and, and lead you to a victory over certain teams. And he knows how to make sure. the right checks. And he'll have really gained a lot of experience last year. He'll be better. Ne- Drew Pine's going to be better in 23 than he was in 22 because of just the experience aspect alone. And so you, you say, okay, yeah, they're only three. But if something happens to the starter, you know you have you know what you're going to get at quarterback, and you can game plan accordingly. Hey, we know who Drew is. We know his strengths. We know his weaknesses. Right. We know what he can do. Now it's like you don't know what Steve Angeli can do. You don't know what Kenny Minchie can do. I know what they can do in practice. Mm-hmm. I know what they can do in seven-on-seven. Seven. I know what they can do in team periods in practice. I know what they can do in one-on-ones, but I don't know what they can do in front of 70 to 80, 90,000 people. I have no clue what they're going mm-hmm. to do. I have no clue when the speed of the game gets faster and – and they've got to make all those checks and different things like that. I, I have no idea. And I think those are some of the things you focus on, Vince, and say, this is this is the question mark that you have is it's it's the numbers is a concern. What doubly is concerning when you just look at it from a depth chart standpoint, Vince, is that the depth behind Sam Hartman is so inexperienced. You have a true mm-hmm. freshman in Kenny Minchie who missed a chunk of his senior season. And you have a guy in Steve Angeli who was a two-year starter in high school, and one of those years was a COVID year where he only played like six games. Mm-hmm. This guy has not played a lot of football. This is a kid that didn't even pass for 3,000 yards in his entire high school career. Didn't throw a single pass last year. 
whatever you think of Steve Angeli as a player, some people like him more than me, some people like him less than me. That's not really the point of this conversation yet. It's this kid has never, has not played a lot of football, not just in college, but in high school. He has not played a lot of football. He threw for, I think most yards he threw for Vince in, in, um, in, excuse me, in, uh, in high school was, I think like 1800 yards, I think is, is what he threw for. And so this isn't a guy that, that, that you can look at and say, Hey, you know, like whenever Golson stepped in, in 2012, he didn't have a lot of experience in Notre Dame. He didn't play a single snap the year before because this is before the four game, you know, the four game rule where you could still play four games in a red shirt. But Ever Golson was a guy that had like twelve thousand high school, you know, passing yards in high school, had thrown for one hundred twenty touchdowns in high school, and had led Myrtle Beach to a state championship. I mean, this was a guy that played a lot of football in his career. You know, Steve Angeli's a kid that, as I said, I think as a senior threw for like seventeen hundred and eighty yards. I'm actually trying to see if I can look up. Uh, the total numbers now so th- that's also concerning when yeah. you look at the experience aspect of it, is it's not always just numbers it's also a lot of times can be numbers plus the fact that you're you're looking for a guy you're looking at a guy who just hasn't played a ton of football in his career at any level and that adds to sort of my angst for boy if Sam Hartman it gets, goes down I don't sure. know that they're going to be able to get what they got out of the backup quarterback last year it may be better I mean because I think I think Steve Angeli has better physical tools than sure. Drew Pine but it's the lack of experience in the unknown that that makes it concerning and you know Kenny Minchie I know has the physical tools and he's a really smart kid I mean that's what he was known for Vince but it's more it's true so freshman. I mean, it's, yeah, it's true yeah. freshman. So, I mean, we're not, I don't want to get too much into the, the, the specific of the players, but I'm, I'm, you know, we'll break down their strengths and the fits and all that. But, you know, again, it's a kid that missed about half of a senior year of high school. So that lack of playing experience is something that really concerns me when I look at the backup quarterback position, I'm not concerned about the talent as much. Sure. As if I could fast forward and make these two kids both a year older, Oh, for I'm sure. I'm not worried about quarterback position at all. But let me ask you a question, Brian. We're just with the 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 way things are going th- these days with the transfer portal and all that. And I agree with you. In my mind, four quarterbacks is absolutely the ideal, and essentially one from every class, right? I mean, you ba- on average, you know, yeah. one year guy, two year guy, three year guy, four, whatever, right? Is it realistic this day and age to have four quarterbacks on your roster? Do you think guys it's are going to be patient enough? You know what I mean? It's a lot harder, Vince. But I think that's where you you can do some things where you say, hey, look, we've got to sign two quarterbacks in this high school class, knowing that one kid is a, is a lifer. You know, it's a kid that wants to be here. Yeah. You know, going, going out in the transfer portal and getting a kid who understands he's going to come here and be a depth guy. Those are the things you've got to look for. It's going to be a lot harder. It's yeah. going to be a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, we saw it this past offseason. The addition of Sam Hart- Sam Hartman not, didn't mean that one quarterback left, two left. And now Sam Hartman wasn't the direct reason why Drew Pine left because they didn't have Sam Hartman yet. But it was the notion that, hey, we're going to go to the right. portal to get a quarterback, which eventually led to the Sam Hartman, uh, is the reason Drew Pine left. And then it's, of course, it's the reason that Tyler Buckner left. So it, it's going to get harder and harder and harder, and that's why you have to be really smart about who you're recruiting in your roster management. And there's going to be a notion, and I've talked about maybe doing this in 24 class. If you can find some kid that's a a good, solid quarterback that 
that loves Notre Dame and understands you're not an NFL quarterback, you know, but you're a good player and you're going to mm-hmm. come here and get a Notre Dame degree, maybe find some kid who wants to, you know, be a coach someday and understand like, hey, man, look, of course you're going to get an opportunity to compete, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're coming in the same year as C.J. Carr. Understand what your role is expected to be. I would scour the nation for a kid like that and try sure. to add him into the 2024 class because it's not – because here's the problem you run into. If you don't do that, you're forced right back into the portal again next year because if Kenny Minchie or C.J. Carr passes up Steve Angeli, do we know that Steve Angeli is going to stay? Sure. After that, and now you're now you've got what two quarterbacks two. on next year's roster? Two. Then you got to go to the portal to get a third. Yeah. And you're 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 back. You might need a four. Yeah, you might need two. So at that point. Yeah. that's something I think they need to look into. Is you know every third year or so getting a second quarterback in a class, but you're recruiting a second quarterback that that is looking at his scholarship offer a whole lot different sure. than maybe a, you know, a CJ Carr, a Kenny Minchie, a Deuce Knight, KJ Lacey, George McIntyre guys are looking at their scholarship offer because I do think you need a fourth quarterback. Having said that, Vince, again, I think you can live with three if the makeup of the three sure. is, is the right level of experience. But again, we could be in the same situation next year that we're in this year. Oh, absolutely. If if either a if Kenny Minchie or it, let's just say Kenny Minchie for the argument's sake, let's just say Kenny Minchie beats out Steve Angeli this year during the season, and Angeli leaves, then they decide, well, Kenny's not ready, CJ's not ready, so they go out and get a poor uh, the next year's version of Sam Hartman. Then we're back to having a veteran transfer quarterback with a true sophomore and a true freshman at quarterback that don't have a lot of experience. And now the difference is the talent level of that duo would be better than the talent level of Angeli and Minchie because CJ Carr is more talented than Steve Angeli. Sure. So it's, it's tough to put that together nowadays. It really is. You've got to find the right kids to bring in. And, and cause like you said, I mean, you, you signed a quarterback in the 2019 class or he transferred, you signed, if you think about three straight, four straight quarterback classes for Notre Dame had their quarterback transfer. And if you go five years, that quarterback changed positions. 17, the quarterback was Avery Davis. He transferred positions. 19, the first quarterback, they got Cade McNamara decommitted. They went out and got Brandon Clark. He transferred. That was that followed 18 when you had Phil Dracovic, he transferred. 2020, Drew Pine, he transfers. 2021, Tyler Buckner, he transfers. So it's now not a great track record, but no, I mean, it's not. And, individually, and it's, you get it, but then if you look at it as a whole like that, that's yeah. scary. Part of it is issues that Notre Dame had with those kids. Part of it is Kids getting beat out. Brendan Clark transferred because he got beat out. I mean, it's just part of the deal. That's why Drew Pine left. That's why Tyler Buckner left. So it's not saying, oh, you know, Kelly and Reese and so and so didn't know. It's it's just that's that's why you got to be smart right. about, hey, we're gonna bring in this kid that maybe isn't a highly ranked guy, but this is a kid that wants to be here and understands his role. Sure. Because you've got to make the numbers work, in my opinion. Now, maybe that's through the portal. Maybe that's through high school recruiting. However, you need to be able to get a guy like that and preferably a guy that's going to be there for multiple seasons, ideally. So depth is definitely a problem. Experience is a problem behind the starter events. But I do think there's talent there, and that always gives you something to work with. I'm not as high on Steve Angeli as some other players as we'll get ready to break down the the different players, but there's some ability there, right? Like this isn't like Ron Paul is the third. 
You know what I mean? Like this is a, this is a good football player. It's just, is he good enough to lead Notre Dame to a championship? That's a question that, mark. That's the question. Yeah, I think sure. Kenny Minchie has tons of talent. Is he good enough to lead Notre Dame to a championship? That's still a question mark. So uh, the depth, I think, when you when you when we evaluate each of these positions, depth will be a part of what we discuss because depth in college football today is vitally important mm-hmm. to success. We've talked about this with Georgia. Each of the last two year Georgia two years Georgia lost their best edge pass rusher. They lost Adam Anderson to disciplinary things in 2021. He was replaced by Nolan Smith, who stepped in, didn't miss a beat. This year, Nolan Smith, they lose to injury, and they have other guys stepping in, and they they don't miss a beat. And not necessarily that somebody replaced Nolan Smith, but other positions around him, you know, were able to pick up the slack, and you were able to put a good football player on the field to replace him. When we look at Alabama in 2021, a big part of the reason Alabama couldn't beat Georgia in the championship game is because there was such a huge drop-off once Jameson Williams got hurt. And we saw this with Ohio State last year. Marvin Harrison goes down, and none of the other receivers could step up and make those plays. Depth has been a, has had a big impact on champion who the champions have been the last two years. Some teams have handled losing guys better than others. Sure. And that's where Notre Dame has got to get to. And that's why it's yeah. important to have this conversation as we as we go through each of these positions, Vince. Agreed. Yeah, I and I will say that I don't want to look at 24 just yet for the quarterback position because it scares me. And so let's just talk about 23 because that's the depth chart that we're going to discuss today. And uh, we'll start. At the, you want to start at the top? You want to start at the bottom? Let's start at the top. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, so let's start at the top of the depth chart. We're going to talk in, obviously, Sam Hartman, clear starter. There's not going to be a competition in the fall. Sam Hartman is your starter. So let's break down Sam Hartman. You've had uh, a really good series, by the way, over on the message board about Sam Hartman's deep ball. I believe there was three different – yeah, three different series, or not three different series, three different parts of a series about Sam Hartman's deep ball. Really, really good stuff for you X's and O's people uh, that you want to dive into over on the message board. And that's that's the quality of stuff you're getting on the message board, just FYI. Plug. We're doing a lot more of that moving forward as well. Yeah, so Sam Hartman comes into a roster. We're going to talk about him. He comes into a roster that needs a leader at quarterback, not only from a leadership standpoint, but also from an on-the-field standpoint. He's got all the experience in the world. Obviously, he's top 20 all-time in college football for passing yards and touchdowns, I believe. I mean, when you talk experience, you can't get more experience than what Sam Hartman is, period. No, he's 19th all-time, I believe, in passing yards and 18th all-time in passing touchdowns in college football history. Right. All-time ACC leader in passing touchdowns, second all-time in passing yards, I believe, is is where he ranks. So, yeah. But let's be real about something, Vince. Let's do that. Leadership has not been a problem for Notre Dame quarterback for a long time. Agreed. There was no leadership issues with Brandon Wimbush in 17. 16 is the last time that – I mean, that was a big-time leadership problem because the guy that was your best leader quarterback was sitting on the bench for you. Right. That was the problem. Then 17 – Brandon Wimbush had no leadership issues. He was a good leader. The team rallied behind both Brandon and Ian Book in 18. And for all my issues with Ian Book as a player and some of the – there was never a conversation no. of kid's not a good leader. No. Or I mean, the kids liked him, respected him. None of that. None of that. that. Kids played mm-hmm. hard for him. They respected him. He was the leader of that football team. Jack Cohn quickly became that guy in 2021. And you and I, how many, how many times did you talk about how the leadership of Drew Pine? I mean, yeah. you, you you talked about it constantly. Just outward and leadership. Just outward. Everybody sees it. Even the backup. Right. Yeah. 
So leadership hasn't been an issue for a while. The issue has been, do you have playmakers and do you have big play quarterbacks? The big play part we'll get into in a minute because that's a bit of a more, okay, we can have a debate here. I think the big thing about that deep ball series, Vince, is is the the notion that um, the notion that the playmaking at quarterback from a throwing standpoint mm-hmm. has simply just not been there, and and that's something that to me, you know, Jack Cohn showed us glimpses of in twenty twenty one. Yeah, but that's and and there was a couple games where Ian Book showed that, but it wasn't consistent enough. But a guy that can just go out there and say, hey, I'm going to make all the plays I need to make with my mind and my arm, and that's going to make us a really difficult football team to beat. And that's what Notre Dame has been missing. We can talk all we want about a lot of other things, but Sam Hartman was brought here not because he's an efficient game manager, because he's a guy that – is a good solid leader. He's a guy that's, you know, got good ball placement. You know, those things are all true, Vince. I'm not saying that they're not true, but those are not the reasons that you brought Sam Hartman to into Notre Dame. Their benefits, sure. their bonuses, they're nice things to have, but they're not why you brought him in. You brought him in because he was a playmaker mm-hmm. at Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. And, and some numbers to back that up. In the last two years, there were two quarterbacks that passed for more touchdowns than Sam Hartman. Their names were number one overall draft pick Bryce Young and number two overall draft pick C.J. Stroud. Over the last two years, zero quarterbacks had more total touchdowns than Sam Hartman, who also had 12 rushing touchdowns the last two years, 11 of which came in 2021. So he had 89 touchdowns the last two years. Neither Bryce Young nor C.J. Stroud had that number. So you're not talking about a game manager. You're talking about a guy that produced at a high level. Two years ago, Sam Hartman threw for 4,222 yards, which, by the way, would be a Notre Dame record by about 300 yards. Brady Quinn obviously has the all-time record with anything like 39-19, so it would be like 303 yards more than what Brady Quinn had. Uh, I believe 3919 is correct, right? Isn't that what Brady passed for? I remember it was just under 4,000. Yeah. So yeah. that, that sounds so right. I, I'm going to, because you know me, Vince, I have to know the specific. I have to know that that number is right. <laughs> yeah, 3919 is the all time record. So he would be 303 yards better than anything Notre Dame ever did. Now, he played in 14 games. So that, that factors into it as well. Then this past season, he quote unquote only throws for 3,701 yards, also throws for 38 touchdowns. But the interesting thing about it is, Vince, he actually passed for more yards this year per game. It's that he only he played two less games because he missed the first game of the season with the health issue. And then they didn't play in the ACC title game like they did in 2021. So you're talking about a guy that's averaged over 308 yards per game the last two seasons. You're talking about a guy that has, I believe, over 15 games of over 300 yards passing the last two seasons. You're talking about a guy that I think a number that I put in a, in a post last night is like 17 games last year's of three or more touchdowns, something like that. I mean, let me look at that again to make sure I have that number correct. So he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of his 12 games this year. He had three or more touchdowns and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times last year. So 17, I was correct. So the last two years, he said 17 
of the 26 games he played in, he had three or more touchdowns passes in a game. And that's passes, uh, not not just runs, but passes. And so when when you look at it, Vince, it, it, it adds to, you know, he's had, he had two games last year where he accounted for six touchdowns last season. Uh, the season before, he had a game where he had seven touchdowns against North Carolina and lost. He accounted for seven touchdowns in the game, <laughs> and they lost. Uh, you know, he had a you know he's had multiple games where he's accounted for five or more touchdowns, rushing and passing. This is a guy that produces at a high level. Yep. And the last part about it is is what you're looking at is a guy Vince that produces in areas where Notre Dame has not been very good, and that's primarily throwing the deep ball. And so what I want to do is kind of just give a, some, some some data to, to back up what we're talking about here. So last season, when you look at Notre Dame's offense last season, I think uh, let me I'm, we're going to kind of just give you some – we're going to kind of get a little nerdy here, so just kind of bear with us a little bit, you know, so you can kind of understand – you know, we'll, we'll – we'll, uh, we'll, uh, you know – it, it, you're, you'll you'll get where we're coming from here in a second, but, but it, it, it's gonna it's gonna stand out to you. So so when you look at last season, the Notre Dame quarterbacks through the starting quarterbacks threw 51 passes that went um, 20 yards or more past the line of scrimmage, and they completed 24 of them. So they were actually Just pretty conservative. Yeah, it's it's actually the the, the percentage was not that bad. <clears throat> The yards per attempt wasn't very good uh, because obviously a lot of their 20 yarders were like right at the 20 yard mark. Sure. They, they weren't throws that were like really far down the field. They were all to Michael Mayer on crossers. Right. 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 <laughs> I mean, well, not crossers, I'm, but like, I, right. Like over routes and right. things like that. They, they weren't necessarily like they weren't throwing bombs. Right. Correct. You know, and, and one of the things that we're going to track this year is we're going to track actually passes of over 30 yards. Cause I actually think that's in today's game, that's a little bit more indicative of, of kind of where you need to be as a quarterback. And then in 2021, uh, Jack Cohn threw uh, 54 passes that traveled at least 20 yards uh, or further down the field. Uh, Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner threw five and Drew Pine threw four. So <laughs> you threw 63 passes that traveled at least uh, 20 yards or more down the pass line scrimmage. In 2020, in 12 games, Ian Book only threw 41 passes that traveled at least 20 yards past line scrimmage. He went 16 of 19. He hit Notre Dame in 2020, a year they made the playoff, had 560 total passing yards on throws that traveled at least 20 yards past the line scrimmage. In 2019, he was a lot better. He had 60, he had 63, which for Notre Dame was a lot, but because he had Chase Claypool and uh and and Cole Komet. So he had 994 yards. Uh, on throws beyond that went beyond the um, 20 yards down the, down the field. And so Notre Dame has not had a, a quarterback that has passed for, has not had as an offense has not passed for over a thousand yards on throws 20 yards or more. Okay. Th- those are the numbers that you're looking at. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you some counter numbers to kind of show what we're talking about here. And I'm actually going to pull these up. So I'm going to sh- share with you when you talk about just 
a guy that is a playmaker. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you guys this. So this is an example of the of what you saw on the message board breakdown, Vince, that you're referring to. Yep. So in the last two years, so last season, uh, and you look at the number of quarter, so power five quarterbacks that that the number of attempts on throws of at least 20 yards past line of scrimmage. Sam Hartman led the nation with 93 <laughs> attempts of at least 20 yards past line of scrimmage. He had 41 completions. It's an okay percentage. It's not a great percentage. It's okay. Only Drake May had more completions past 20 yards. That was by two. The next closest guy had four. Uh, Caleb Williams had five had five fewer than, than, than Sam Hartman, and he played two more games. That's the other thing to consider. Drake May had 43, he, but he played two more games than Sam Hartman played last year. Keep that in mind as well. So, mm-hmm. and this shows here, that's right here, shows the number of games. So, like, Michael Penix, who was four behind him in attempts, played one more game. Caleb Williams was seven below him. Drake May was eight below him. They played two more games than Sam Hartman played last year. And so, <clears throat> when you look at those numbers, Vince, you see a guy that throws the ball down the field a ton. Mm-hmm. Part of that is a is an aspect of the offense, Right. I mean, they just sure they throw the ball down the field a lot. But the other part of it is you have a quarterback that's willing to do it. I mean, you and I have sat here next to each so other many times frustrated as heck because a play was called that he just he wouldn't throw the ball down the field. I mentioned that Notre Dame hasn't had a quarterback that has passed for over or no, as an offense hasn't passed for over a thousand yards on deep balls going back all the way to, to 2017. I'm actually curious what the Notre Dame numbers were in 2018 but I don't think they were as, as great as they were in in, in, uh, in, 2000, uh, in 2019 where they actually threw the ball down the field a little bit more. But you look at Sam Hartman the last two years, Vince. You want to have some fun with this one. <clears throat> Sam Hartman last year passed for 1,304 yards on throws that traveled at least 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. Now, 2021, when he played two more games, when he played 16 games or 14 games, had 1,613 yards on throws past that went that went longer than um, 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. I'm actually looking up these numbers. So Book had 602, and Wimbush had 602. Wimbush had 231, and then Jerkovic had. Um, he didn't have any that year. I thought Dracovic had a deep ball throw in 2018. That was 2019. 2019 is when Dracovic – I'm thinking of the New Mexico game in 2019. Oh, yep, yep, yep. So 2019, Notre Dame was actually went over 1,000 yards on deep balls as a team. Ian Book threw for 994, and Phil Dracovic threw for 84. So they barely went over in 2019 against a schedule where they beat one ranked opponent. Sam Hartman's quote unquote down year was 1,304 last season because he only played in 12 games. And so when you when you want to talk about a guy that that had big time, here's another one, Vince. Sam Hartman in 2020 threw for 905 yards on deep balls, balls that traveled at least 10, 20 yards down the line of scrimmage. He only played, I think, nine games that year. Because they had a bunch of games canceled because of COVID, yeah, yeah. they only played nine games, and so um, he threw for twenty two hundred yards that year, and nine hundred of those yards, over a third, were on deep balls. So 
we're talking about a huge disparity here in production, Vince, a huge disparity in production. You're talking about a guy that last season on throws of at least 20 yards threw 16 touchdown passes. 30 of Sam Hartman's touchdowns last season, Vince, were on throws that traveled over 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. So you're, you're talking about a guy that's throwing the ball down the field a lot. Yes. And he's and effective at it. So number so what what can you take from that? Number one, he's not afraid to push the ball down the field, obviously, right? Because he's going to do it. And that was always our biggest complaint was that it wasn't a lack of talent. It was just a lack of not pulling the trigger and doing it because we've seen the arm strength of past quarterbacks being able to do it and they just didn't, right? Mm-hmm. So that's number one. He's got the willingness to do it. <clears throat> awesome. The other thing I think that doesn't get talked about a whole lot uh, when it comes to Sam Hartman and this year at Notre Dame is he's coming into this season and into this experience at Notre Dame with a very sizable chip right here on his shoulder because he, you know, got no love from the NFL draft, obviously that's because uh, if he did, he wouldn't be at Notre Dame. I mean, let's be honest, right? He had the stats to show, you know, what he can do and all of these different things, but he was in a gimmicky offense you know, all of those different things. So he's betting on himself. I know that's cliche again. He's betting on himself. He's going to a pro-style offense. He's going to a big-time program. And he's betting that he's going to take this team to someplace it hasn't been in a really, really long time. So I like the fact that he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder because he's got something to prove to a lot of people. And anybody outside of this chat, you know, who's not a Notre Dame fan, they're looking past Sam Hartman in a lot of ways. I mean, that the article that we talked about where they tiered all the quarterbacks, you know, and he's a fourth tier quarterback with like mm-hmm. sub tiers and everything else. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Tyler Buckner's ahead of him. Yes, yeah, exactly. correct. The guy that was going to be number two behind him is ahead of him on this list. Like, right. it, it, just ridiculous takes out there. And Sam Hartman, he hears this stuff. You know, and and he's not going to get on social media and clap back at it or anything like that. He's going to internalize it because he's a professional. I mean, he's a sixth year senior. He's been doing this for a long time, but he's going to put it into his play. And I'm sorry, Brian. I just feel like, you know, obviously the numbers are one thing and I'm excited about the Mm -hmm. numbers. I'm excited about what that means. But then that other aspect, that other mental aspect of what he's bringing to the table, that gets me even more excited. and I want to respond to something that's said in the chat. This is how this is how sometimes I laugh at some things that are said. Somebody said Hartman had to throw it down the field all the time because he was playing from behind a lot of Wake Forest. Utter nonsense. Utter nonsense. Completely not true. Wake Forest won 11 games in 2021. Right. It won eight games last year. They were not playing from behind a lot. That was their offense, and he was good at it. Sure. So, I mean, anyone that's actually watched Wake Forest play the last two years knows that's just not – true there's just no act there's just no um truth to that comment there's there's none and so but that's what you get right is you get the sure. people that just make assumptions about well of course he had to do that this is a part of what he did and anyone that was that has talked to to people around the program from practices events i've heard a bunch of times you'll hear people talk about like they threw the ball i've talked to people who have friends who officiated practices that Notre Dame had. Sure. Uh, and they'll say the same thing. Like they, they threw the ball down the field a ton 
in the practices that we saw. And so, you know, this, if, if you, if you want to understand who he was, it's not because they were playing behind. It was because that's who they were. That's who they were as an offense. That's what they did as an offense. And so if you, you know, like the game that I, the vit, so just so you know, if you don't, if you're not on the board, the data that I showed you was from part one of that film breakdown that I had after that there's graphs and then video clips of the plays that break it down. So it's not just a written film room. It's actually, we have graphs of the play and break down the play. Like I'll show you in a little example. So like, here's a particular play here where he throws a deep ball. This particular play uh, was from 2021. It was a game against Florida state and that he threw a a deep ball and it was a a great throw. There's a lot of that stuff in those breakdowns as well. So if you, if you want to check those out, you're deaf. That's something that I think is a a really cool part of that breakdown. I really enjoyed doing that. That was awesome. But the thing about it is Vince is that was a game against Florida state. I think I had three clips from that game that I used or included at some point in time in that breakdown Uh, in that particular game in 2021, he went two of three for 93 yards because he had two bombs down the field. And that was a game they won 35 to 14. You know, I mean, so when you complete the when you complete the balls and your team jumps ahead, you're actually gonna you're, you can say, well, they they would have thrown the ball more down the field because those right. were both in the first half and they jumped all over Florida State. And he didn't throw the ball down the field a whole lot in the second half. So if to. you're gonna say there were some games that he had to throw the ball down the field more because they were winning, there were some other games where they had big wins where he didn't throw the ball down the field a ton. And that mm-hmm. takes it, you know, that that says, OK, well, they would have done that. So, I mean, you you could spend this all you want. The fact of the matter is anyone that actually watches them play knows that this is just who he is. This is just what he does. Uh, he threw, for example, eight deep balls last year against Boston College in that game, a game that, that Wake Forest won. I think it was like 45 to let me see what the final score was of that game last year against Boston College. 43 to 15. He threw five touchdown passes. Did he do that because did he throw eight deep balls because they were behind? Or is that just who he is in the offense they run? That's who he is. That's the offense they run. That's why Notre Dame went out and got him. So this notion that he did that because they were down a lot, there's no factual basis to that. None. None. So that's what people need to understand and just say, hey, uh, I'm going to throw out some random opinion because this is how I feel when it's not actually at all de- backed up in data whatsoever. Right. Because right. did you notice all the guys that were on that list of deep ball throwers? They were all from good teams. USC, North Carolina, Washington. Those are some good football teams. They were not from t- TCU. They were not from teams that were losing, so they had to throw it deep a ton. Here's the other thing. If you're way behind – What's the other team doing? They're playing the deep ball. They're not going to give you deep balls. Exactly. So it doesn't even make sense from that standpoint either. This is who he is, and this is why Notre Dame went out and got him. Correct. One of the things – here's so we'll move on from that. Here's another data point that I found really fascinating, Vince, that I think needs to be taken into consideration too is uh, one of the the complaints I've heard about Sam Hartman – 
from people that just look at stats. This is why you don't just look at stats. I mean, stats are fine. You can look at They're stats. Good. Yeah, sure. They, they, they give you something, but you've got to really know how to study stats and look at things. And one of the things I've heard about Sam Hartman is, yeah, I wish he completed passes at a higher level. Okay, fair. I understand where you're coming from. But when you really dive into their offense and you dive into his numbers, you realize, actually, this guy does complete passes at a very high level. Uh, it's just because he throws the ball down the field so much, it is impactful. So, for example, when you look at uh, when you look at uh, C.J. Stroud last season for Ohio State, C.J. Stroud had a, a pretty significantly higher completion percentage than than Sam Hartman did. Not not enormously. He wasn't like a seventy percent guy, but C.J. Stroud completed sixty six percent of his passes. Sam Hartman, I believe, was at sixty two. I, I, I let me let me just check that real quick and make sure that I'm accurate. Yeah, 63, so three point difference. But when you look at Sam Hartman's numbers, you realize a big that that three percent gap is due to the deep ball because he throws so many so many more deep balls. Right. Sam Hartman threw 93 deep balls last year. C.J. Stroud threw 61 on throws of 10 yard of, of throws from 10 to 19 yards. C.J. Stroud completed 56 percent of his passes. On throws between 10 to 19 yards, Sam Hartman completed 59.8% of his passes. This is all according to Pro Football Focus. On passes of 0 to 9 yards, uh, C.J. Stroud completed 77.7% of his passes. Sam Hartman completed 77.3% of his passes. On throws at or behind the line of scrimmage, or actually behind the line of scrimmage, uh, C.J. Stroud completed 92% of his passes. Sam Hartman completed 93.8% of his passes. So this is a guy that is a very accurate passer when mm-hmm. when you look at his numbers and compare him to other top quarterbacks. And I think that's something that's going to factor in too because another part of this, Vince, of this equation is, yes, the deep ball is great, but you're not only bringing him in here to throw the deep ball. Right. You're also bringing him in here to be really effective on throws down the field. Uh, a guy that was better than him last year was Bryce Young, who was at 65.7% on throws that were between 10 and 19. As I said before, Sam Hartman was 59.4. Sam Hartman also had, so so that think about that. Sam Hartman also had four more drops than, than uh, Bryce Young did. But Bryce Young was a 75.8 and 93.0 on 0 to 9 and behind the line of scrimmage, where Sam Hartman was at 77.3 and 93.8. So the point that I'm making here, Vince, is the, the importance here of this conversation is is there's also a level of efficiency here mm-hmm. that he brings to the table that is needed. Whereas, you know, when, when you look at, uh, compare it to Notre Dame, for example, 59.8% completion on throws of 10 to 19. Drew Pine last year was at 51.1. Had four touchdowns and five picks last year on throws of 10 to 19. Sam Hartman was 59.8 and had 14 touchdowns and four interceptions on throws that were between 10 to 19, uh, you, you know, pass line scrimmage. And then Tyler Buckner was at 38.5% on throws between 10 and 19. So as a team, Notre Dame was in the 40% mark on throws between 10 and 19 yards last season. Uh, last year, Tyler Buckner completed uh, 61.1% of his throws between zero and nine. And Drew Pine, um, I think, was like low 70s. Let me just find this stat real quick. Drew Pine was at 72.6. 
So they were in the 66, 60% mark on throws between zero and nine. Sam Hartman was at 77% last year. Big difference. So these get into the efficiency numbers, right? So yes, big plays are important. You need big plays, but you're not beating Alabama and Georgia because you throw 15 balls, 20 yards past line scrimmage, right? Yep. And so uh, when you when you look at it and you break it down, you see that this isn't just about throwing a million deep balls. There's a significant difference in in efficiency on throws that are under 20 yards as well. That is a significant improvement for Notre Dame, and I think that's another factor uh, that has to be looked at when you're when you're breaking this down as well. Um, you know, one thing that we love Jack Cone for at Notre Dame was Jack was really efficient under 20 yards. Him and Sam Hartman have almost identical numbers on 10 to 19 yard completions and under 10 yard completions. And so when you look at that, as he's bringing a similar level of efficiency that Jack brought to the table, but significantly better deep ball. Jack went 17 of 54 on deep balls, 31.5% in 2021. Sam completed almost as many. I mean, Sam was close. His completion number was closer to Jack's attempts number than Jack, than the, the two completion numbers were similar to each other. And so uh, those are aspects of it too, that you look at Vince and say, it's not just the deep ball, it's the efficiency. And that's where the deep balls a lot of times will come from because you have to guard against some of the other things. And then you're able to throw the ball down the field. Those are all aspects that Sam Hartman brings to the table that make him very entertaining to watch, sure. but also are things that Notre Dame desperately needed mm-hmm. in their offense. And that's well, the, that's a big part of it. The, I mean, okay. There's a couple different things I want to, I want to point out here. Number one, when was the last time a defense had to plan for what the quarterback was able to do? Right. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, I can't even count how many times you and I have had the discussion about, you know, teams are just going to load the box. They're going to they're going to say, "Hey, I dare you to throw it over the top." Whatever, not going to happen. And that's how Notre Dame loses big games. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it's like it's like the same storyline over and over and over again. Defensive coordinators are actually going to have to plan against Sam Hartman and what he's able to do because he can hit all three levels of the defense. And then you add into the fact that Notre Dame's still going to be pretty darn good running the football. Like that's. That's not going away. And I and I realize we're talking about the quarterbacks right now, but part of what makes a quarterback very good at his job is the defense not really knowing what to pick to stop, right? And so if a team is going to try to to stuff the box to stop the run, Sam Hartman's going to have a day. Now, if they put everybody back, not only is the running game going to have a day, but then Sam Hartman's going to be able to pick you apart as well underneath because he's that accurate at all three levels. So it just it adds a level of complexity to an offense that hasn't had that level of complexity in a long time. And that is why not only are they going to be able to go deep and score points. Yes, I get that. That's exciting. There's no there's there's no way to not be excited about that, right? But he's also going to be able to sustain drives, okay? And one of my biggest knocks personally about Notre Dame is, you know, what last year, 
how many times did the defense give up that long drive at the end of the at the end of the game, right? They they were gassed, they were winded, whatever, whatever excuse you want to make, they would give up that long drive. One way to combat that, obviously, is in the weight room and and uh, you know hitting your assignments defensively, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, agree with all of that. But another way to combat that is long, sustained offensive drives that gives your defense a chance to sit. That that's just a fact, and I think that they're going to have that aspect to this offense as well. Sam Hartman is going to be able to sustain drives, put together you know double digit play drives. They're going to end in points. That are, and then the defense is going to be able to come back out, do their thing, and then give the ball back to the offense, who is then going to be able to sustain a drive. And just when yeah. you think that the drive is not sustainable, he'll go over the top and it'll be a two play drive. Sure. I mean, or, or they'll go over the top to soften you up. And then that opens up other exactly. things too there. Yes. And, and to your point, Vince, mm-hmm. is you, you anticipate having a pass game this year that is going to give you more freedom uh, to protect the run game. Mm-hmm. because last year, if the run game couldn't get going, the offense had trouble. Right. I mean, that's just something that we saw a lot last season. And when, when you start looking at the how the offense played last season, you know, like as a team, one of the things that I've pointed to the show that how much better Notre Dame was in the second half of the season was how many more points they scored in the first than they did in the first half of the season. So if you look at like where Notre Dame was, uh, you know, to start the season and just how much their offense struggled and, you know, and, and just kind of what led to their three and three record. And you start to, it starts to make sense. You're like, okay, yeah, this, this team couldn't really score. And, you know, they, they, they had the one nice game against, um, against uh, who was it? North Carolina. Right. You know, but this is a team Vince that averaged 23.7 points per game through the first six games of the season. Yeah. And, and then you say, okay, well, you know, they went, they went six and one to end the season and their lowest point total of that stretch was 27. Their lowest point total of that stretch was 27 points. And they averaged 38.7 points per game. That's great. If they average 38.7 points per game this season, they're going to be hard to beat. But agreed. when you look at it, you have to have some context. You know, against Syracuse, they scored 41 points at a pick six, and they blocked the punt that they recovered at the two-yard line. Mm-hmm. against Clemson, they had 35 points, but they returned an interception for a touchdown and had a blocked punt for a touchdown and had another interception. They gave them the ball at the 12 yard line. They ripped up Navy, ripped up Boston college, pretty good USC. They moved the ball pretty good on, but you know, couldn't score. And then, you know, South Carolina, they went out and moved the ball pretty well, but you know, they, they weren't necessarily a 38.7 point per game offense. Right. And, and so that's kind of where you look at it and say, Hey, this is one of those things where, if you can bring some of the big playability, and I wrote an article about this a couple months ago about how Notre Dame's offense just lacked explosives last year. I mean, Absolutely. because you can't be they, – they go hand in hand. You can't be a big play offense. Uh, I mean, you can't be an efficient offense to the level that Georgia and you know the, the teams that are winning are because they're like seven and a half, you know, seven to seven and a half, sometimes close to eight-point yards per play, and Notre Dame's like around six. You know, you need the big play offense. You need the big plays to be that high. Sure. But you're also not going to rank that high if you're not, if you don't have a level of efficiency. Mm-hmm. And I think a perfect example for Notre Dame is the difference between the 2015 and the 2017 offense. I mean, the 2015 offense was a big play offense, Vince. We've talked about that. They averaged 7.0 yards per play. 
the 2017 offense was also a great big play offense. I think Josh Adams had Lou Samoji had this stat. Josh Adams had more yards of 50, more gains of 50 yards or more in 2017 than any other Notre Dame running back had in their career of 50 yards or more. And yet Notre Dame averaged 6.4 yards per play that season. That's 0.6 fewer. Why? They were far less efficient. Mm -hmm. The efficiency, they were boomer bust in a lot of ways, you know, and a lot of it had to do with what? The pass game. Yeah. Because the pass game was so inefficient. And I think that's something also that you look at and say, and, and say, when you break it down, that's a big part of what you expect him to add to the table. Right. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Right. And look, lots of positives about Sam Hartman. No doubt about it. We're all very excited to see what this yeah. offense looks like with him behind center. Yeah. And how what? does that complement? How does that complement the run game? Sure. What is it? What impact does it have on the run game? Right. Right. That's a big part of it. I, I'm actually very interested to see how teams early on and i realize the, the the front part of the schedule is not super complicated right it's not super difficult for notre dame but what what are how are teams going to defend this notre dame offense from the jump right before they have some film before they see you know who they are and things like that is it going to be the old hey we got to stop the run if we want to win i am very excited to see what happens like for example the navy game right and i and I realize who Navy is. I realize who Tennessee State is. I, I, Guys, I understand that, okay? But if a team like those have any chance of beating Notre Dame, that's probably what they're going to have to do. They're going yeah. to have to attempt to stop the run, right? And Sam Hartman's going to pick them apart, and it's going to be a lot of fireworks, right? Mm -hmm. That is, And then when they get to NC State, when they go on the road to NC State, how does NC State match up with this Notre Dame mm -hmm. offense? What is right. their strategy once they have, what, three games of film at that point? What is their strategy? That's going to be the first big test to me. What is their strategy on how to stop mm -hmm. this offense? And how does Sam Hartman respond? And how does the offensive coaching staff respond, et cetera? That is going to be really, really fun from an X's and O's standpoint.